Alright guys, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to go ahead and get started. I know you guys love the fellowship time. I can see that. That's, that's good to see. Okay, alright, one more time. If you guys have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And let's stand together. And we're going to read verses 15 through 20 today as we come slowly, very slowly, to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And you guys will see there, the very first word of verse 15 is beware. Uh, so Jesus is giving us a warning here. This is a warning that we all need to listen to. Uh, there's danger. When somebody says beware of something, there's danger there. There's something we need to be cautious about. So Jesus at the very outset of this verse says beware. So we need to take this very serious. I want us to see this passage with, uh, with a great seriousness about it. As Jesus says, beware of the wolves. That's what I titled the sermon today. That's what the subject we'll preach on. Beware of the wolves. And i got a quote I'll read you before I read the passage. It says, if there is any warning... In Holy Scripture, where it is deeply important to pay attention to, it is certainly this passage. So we need to pay attention to this verse. It is a warning as we come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. As we look at, beware of the wolves. Verse 15, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. And every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. So let's pray together, and then we'll look at Beware of the Wolves. Let's pray together. Father, this is a very serious passage for us to look at today. A warning that you're giving us. So we need to heed this warning. We need to listen to it. We need to, to obey it. So God, help us all to pay attention. Help us to sit up straight and listen to what is being said. Not by me, but by you. And as we go word by word through this passage, I pray that you would enlighten us by your spirit. That you would use me, God, to make this as clear as it can be, as true as it can be. And God, that the, this, this passage today would convict those who are lost to be saved. And God, it would encourage us all here today that are Christians to be on guard against false teachers. So God, help us here today. We can't do it without you. So we need your help. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. One of the greatest dangers in life is to not listen to warnings. I went to a, a house one time knocking on doors. And they had a big sign out front on their fence. And it said, beware of the dog. And I didn't heed that warning. I didn't pay attention to that warning. And I went knocking upon that door. And there was a dog come running out at me, just snarling and biting and ready to attack me. And I, I went running away. And I've never jumped so high in my life running from that dog. I didn't even go knocking on that door. I just left and dusted off my shoes and went on to the next house. So you've got to be careful. You need to be beware of the warnings. You need to pay attention to them. I'll give you another instance. It's not just small instances where you can run from a dog, but there was a warning given to the Titanic, the captain of the Titanic in the early 1900s. He was given a warning prior to leaving and heading on the journey to America. He was given a warning that there was an iceberg field that he was going to have to get through, and he needed to be very careful navigating through the, the icebergs. And he, and he was given a sheet of paper and, and had the warning upon it. And he wadded it up and handed it back to the person who gave it to him. And they, they have that sheet of paper, the warning that was coming of the waters that he was getting ready to go into, crumpling it up and, and giving it back. I'll give you another one. There was a warning that was given to the people at Pearl Harbor. It wasn't a, a long warning, but they had a short little warning that was given to them 
that, that planes were coming, that, that they were going to come and attack. And the, the commander of, of at Pearl Harbor said to them, forget about it. There was a warning that was given, and, and they didn't, didn't pay attention to it. And this is, this is dangerous. When you don't pay attention to, to, to the warnings that are given to us in life, you can have a dog chasing you, or you can have 1,500 people die on the Titanic. Or you can have 2,400 people die at Pearl Harbor, all because you don't listen to the warnings. A refusal to listen to a warning is as dangerous as anything you can face in life. There's a lot of warnings that are given to us, and we need to pay attention to all those warnings. Warnings are given to us for a reason. So one of the greatest dangers in life is to not pay attention to the warnings that are given to us. I give my kids warnings all the time. If you do that again, daddy's going to whip you. If you do that again, I usually do it three or four times. My warnings aren't very good. If you do that again, if you do that again, and finally when I whip them, they act surprised. Why did daddy do that? Well, I gave you three warnings. One of the greatest dangers my kids can have is not listening to the warnings of their dad. So we need to listen to the, to the warnings. And not just to the warnings that I see here that I've, that I've uh, illustrated to you. But this warning is even more dangerous. This is the, the greatest danger in life is to not listen to the warnings of the Bible. Do not listen to the warnings of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's doing here. He's giving us a warning. Beware. You need to see that with urgency. You need to read that word not as beware, but as beware. He's giving us a, a, a warning, saying, caution, stay away from this. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and, and we've, we've reached the end of it. After three chapters of him preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he's coming to a close. He's coming to decision time. And he brings them and he brings us to a crossroads at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And you're going to go one way or the other. You're going to go the way of, of the narrow road or you're going to go the way of the broad road. And the narrow road will lead to life and the broad road will lead to, to destruction. And he told us very plain and very clear, you've you got to go the narrow way. You've got to go the way of Christ. You've got to go the way of the cross. You've got to go the way that leads to eternal life. You have to go that way. He, he wasn't pulling any punches there at all. He told us which way to go. And then as soon as he tells us which way to go, go the narrow way. Enter in with urgency. Go to the, the narrow way. Don't stand around. Don't wait. Enter in the straight way. And immediately he says, now here's your warning. You must be very careful. As you come to this crossroads, there's going to be people standing at the crossroads telling you to go the wrong way. There's going to be people standing at the crossroads. There will be guides that will cover up the narrow way and will point you in the wrong way. These guys will give you the wrong directions. They'll tell you to go the wrong way. They'll point, And he calls these guys wolves. He calls them false teachers. He calls them false prophets. And these wolves will point you in the wrong way. They'll tell you to go in the wrong direction. And you need to know that today. Everybody in here has been pointed in a direction in your life. It may not be by a teacher or a preacher, but there's people in your lives. And parents will do that to their kids too. You're going to point your kids in one direction or the other, the narrow way or the broad way. And we need to be very careful about who we listen to in life. About who we take direction from. About who we take teaching from. About who we take advice from. Jesus is saying, beware, don't take direction from the wrong people. 
He's saying these wolves, these false teachers, will keep you off the narrow way. These false teachers will keep you out of heaven. These false teachers will lead you straight to hell. There's a danger here for us. There's a danger here to our souls. We need to take this warning very seriously. And if there's ever a generation that needs to hear this warning, it is our generation. We need to be beware of people pointing us in the wrong direction. We need to beware of false teachers. Beware of false preachers. Beware of people telling you things that aren't true. Beware of bad direction. So that's what we're going to look at today. He's going to tell us, beware of anyone. Here's the main point of the sermon. You guys can turn me off after this. I usually wait till the end. I don't touch it at the beginning. Beware of anybody who tells you to follow anybody but Jesus Christ. So let's look at it. We need to see this. Jesus says, beware of anybody who's going to tell you to go the wrong way. Here's what we need to hear. Here's, here's what we, we need to be informed about this. We need to be protected. We need to be on the lookout. There's a lot at stake here. Eternity is too long to be wrong. So let's look at it. Beware of the, the wolves. And I'm going to give you three points just to work our way through this passage of what to beware of. What to look out for. Number one, I want you to beware of the fleece they wear. I'm going to go ahead and give you the three points right at the outset if you want to hear them. Number one, beware of the fleece that they wear. Number two, beware of the fruit that they bear. And number three, beware of the fate that they share. So number one, let's look at beware of the fleece that they wear. Look at what it says in verse 15. It says, beware of false prophets. What is a false prophet? What is he talking about here? It's important that we understand what a false prophet is. Because he's going to go down there and call them the wolves. So what are these false prophets? We need to be aware of the fleece that false prophets wear. What is a false prophet? Well, you need to know that there's, there's two types of preachers. There's two types of teachers. There's two types of, of prophets. On the one hand, we have God's men. God calls his men. God uses his men. And these men that he uses, that he chooses, are men that speak on his behalf. You know that's the case. Throughout the Old Testament, God had men that He called and men that He used. And when they, these men stood up, everybody knew that when they spoke, they were speaking on behalf of God Himself. He had men like Moses. He had men like Isaiah. He had men like Jeremiah. All through the Old Testament, He had men that would stand up and speak for Him. They were His voice in the world. They spoke His words. You move to the New Testament and they had, had the same thing. The preachers who would stand up and speak, not, not foretelling what's going to happen, but foretelling what God has told them. You had men like John the Baptist who stand up and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You had men like Paul and men like Peter that would stand up and speak on behalf of God. And even today, God has his men. And they speak for God. They speak on behalf of God. They speak God's word. Those are the true prophets. And then you have false prophets. And that's what we're talking about here. It's the opposite of, you guys know that, true prophets are the ones that speak for God. They're called of God, and God uses those men. And on the other hand, you have false prophets. And these prophets, it's easy. It's not hard to figure out. These are Satan's men, not God's men. These are not the ones that are called by God. They're called by Satan. And used by Satan. And don't speak on behalf of God. They speak on behalf of, of Satan. They're false teachers. They're, they're, they, they say they speak for God, but they don't. They're liars. They're sham. They're false. They're phonies. They exist. There's false teachers in our world. 
You need to know that. We need to know that there's false teachers out there. They exist. And, and I, 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 I'm going to ask you to turn with me to a couple places. Turn with me to Deuteronomy. I know you guys love a little sword drill. But I want you to see that I'm not making this stuff up. This, this, is, this is something that's biblical. Deuteronomy chapter 18. I, I hope I've got the right passage here. Verse 20. Know that in the Old Testament, Israel's biggest threat was false prophets. We got Israel in more trouble than any, anything else. I mean, they, got, they stayed in trouble. You guys know that. But what got them in more trouble than anything else was they listened to false prophets. Deuteronomy 18, verse 20. But the prophet which shall presume, you see that? Presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of, of other gods, even that prophet shall die. This is serious business. And, and, and you can go on to the, to the next verse. It shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken, hearken, or no, verse 21. And if they say, thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? How will we know the difference between the two? They're asking you a good question. There will be prophets in the Old Testament that are a threat. Now, let me go to a few more in the New Testament. Turn with me to Matthew 24. So that it was true in the Old Testament. It's true in the, in the New Testament. Matthew 24, verse 11. You gotta love hearing the Bible's turn. And if you guys have an, a, a Bible on your phone, you gotta love the swipe. Twenty four eleven says, "And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many." Same chapter, Matthew twenty four verse twenty four. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive even the very elect. Jesus says it's a reality. There's false prophets in the world. I can take you to some other passages. 2 Timothy 3, Romans 16. I won't do that. Acts 20, Paul says that when I leave, there's going to be grievous wolves that's going to come within the church that we're trying to devour and divide the church. So it's true today that there's many deceivers in our world. You can turn back with me to Matthew 7. And I believe today there's more false prophets in our world than there ever has been. There's more false preachers because there's more opportunity. There's more uh, chances for them to get on online, on, on YouTube, on, on Facebook, on Twitter. They, they have more of a chance for an audience, more people to be heard. I mean, it's all over the place. There's false teachers everywhere. And it's not nice, I know, to call anybody a false preacher. But it's true. There are false preachers all over our world today. Satan is more effective when he counterfeits the truth than when he denies the truth. Satan is not against religion. He's against biblical Christianity. So he's going to go against what is true and try to counterfeit it to make it look like it's true, but it's actually false. So he brings in his men, false teachers. And the problem is, the same thing they had in Deuteronomy, is they're not easy to spot. Same thing they asked. How can we know? Look, look what it says here. They come in. I just We're like three words into the verse now. 20 minutes into the sermon. Verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you, it says. That word in the, in the Greek, come to you, it's, they mean they repeatedly will come. Continually will come. It will always be a problem in the world that there will be false teachers. And when they come, they're going to be coming in sheep's clothing. They'll have a disguise on. They won't look like false teachers. And it's not that they'll come in dressed like sheep. They're going to come in dressed like the shepherd. You want to find the false teacher, you're going to find them behind the pulpit somewhere. They're going to look like that. That's what it means that they come in sheep's clothing because the shepherds in that time, they would, they would wear the wool of their sheep. 
When they would cut the, the wool off their sheep, they'd take it and make a coat out of it so the sheep would follow them around and think they were one of them. So that's what it's saying. These false teachers are going to come in looking the part. They're going to dress up like a shepherd. They're going to come in, and it's not going to be obvious. It's not going to be easy to spot. It's not going to be Jim Jones. You guys would know that, right? If, if you guys may not know who Jim Jones is, he in, in the, uh, I don't know how long ago it was, but he, he had a bunch of people killed by drinking Kool-Aid. I mean, if I come in here right now, I'm like, guys, try some of this Kool-Aid. <laughs> I mean, you're going to no, Josh. I mean, you, we'll drink your coffee. We won't drink your Kool-Aid. This is not Jim Jones. This is not Mormons coming in with name tags on saying false prophet, you know. They wear a uniform. They let everybody know they're walking down the road. False prophet, false teachers, we're wrong. They, they, have, they wear the uniform. You guys know that. If, if somebody like that's going to come in here and say that Satan and Jesus are brothers, you're going to be like, no, that's wrong. You're going to kick them to the curb. Amen. Somebody come in trying to give you Kool-Aid, kick them to the curb. Somebody come in here trying to tell you when, when Jesus is going to come back. There's a guy who wrote a book in 1988. 88 reasons. Jesus is coming back in 88. <laughs> that book ain't selling too good now. <laughs> Somebody come in like that, it's easy to spot. I mean, this is, this is, they're not even trying to wear sheep's clothes. They're coming in, and it's obvious, it's open. They're wearing the name tag. These people are false teachers. There's some people you can turn on the TV, and you're watching, you're like, yeah, I know, that guy's a phony. You know, it's easy to spot. That's what, not what he's talking about here. These teachers will be subtle. They'll be pleasant. They'll be nice. They'll speak our language. They'll wear our clothes. They'll dot all the I's and cross all the T's. It'll be hard for you to tell. Understand this, you can dot all your I's and cross all your T's, but you can still spell the word wrong. This is the problem. They're hard to spot. So that's why the point here is beware the fleece that they wear. It says that, that on the outside, look, look there with me. And I know you guys, this, this is the best sermon on false teachers you've ever heard. <laughs> or the only one. Look what it says. Verse 15, beware the false prophets because they come to you wearing sheep's clothes, but in reality, inwardly, Truly, you take the mask off, and they're ravening wolves. The sheep's worst enemy is a wolf. So understand this. If the number one enemy of the sheep is a wolf, then in correlation, the number one enemy of the church must be false teachers. The number one enemy of the church is people who are false teachers. And it says, and they come in, they're ravening wolves. You, you see that there? I mean, it's, it's in the verse. I, I mean, you, you can't make it any more clear. They, they are on the outside, look the part. But on the inside, they're wolves. They attack. That word ravening wolves, it, it means they, they attack the flock. They devour. They're ferocious. They rip apart. Ravening means they, they grab a hold with their teeth. And it's a very vivid imagery that he's giving us here. That they grab a hold of sheep and they rip them to, to, to shreds. That's what they do. They, they snatch them. They, they seize them. They, they sink their teeth into the sheep and they rip them apart. They don't come to feed the sheep. They come to eat the sheep. They come to devour the sheep, to feed off the sheep. They don't care about the sheep. Us being the sheep. So what does that mean that they will, a false teacher will come and do to the church? We'll divide the sheep. Divide the sheep and you can easily snatch them away. He'll destroy the sheep. Not serve the sheep, not protect the sheep. He'll come and take the money of the sheep. 
He'll come and lead you away from Christ. He'll come and lead you to the way of the broad way to destruction. This shows the danger. When he says ravening wolves coming to devour, imagine that. Ravening wolves coming to destroy God's sheep. <coughs> it shows the danger here. Why Jesus said beware. And I love that word beware. And I'm moving on to the next point because I've really got to hurry. But I, this, this is why he said be, beware here. You've got to be very careful here. That word beware means hold your mind from. Understand me. Hold your mind from. Turn your mind from it. Don't expose your, yourself to these people. Don't, don't, don't follow these people. Don't be influenced by these people. Don't pay attention to these people. 2 John 9 says don't even have dinner with these people. Don't get close to these people. Don't, don't let your kids sit under their teaching. Don't, 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 don't do it. Don't be around these people at all. It's obvious. Stay as far away from false teachers as you can. I mean, you're not supposed to even be near them, Jesus says. Beware. Don't go and let your kids pet a wolf. If you do that, you're putting them in danger. Don't be around them. You say, oh, it's just a little bit of false teaching. Yeah, it's like saying it's just a little bit of poison. Be careful where you go. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful what you read. Amen. Never let your guard down. Never compromise. Don't be gullible. Don't be trusting. Be testing. Beware of sheep imitations. Sky God. So the next obvious question after we do that, after we look at the fleece that they wear, is how will we know them? You said, Josh, it's hard to spot a false teacher. Help us see what they are and who they are. What will they look like? What will they talk like? What will they act like? So that's the next question. That's what we're going to do. Now we're going to figure out how to spot a false teacher. We're going to separate. We're going to judge. We're going to, we're going to put on one side, here's the true teachers, and we're going to put on the other, here's the false teachers. True teachers will listen to. True teachers will follow. But false teachers, we're going to stay away from. We won't even eat around and be around. We won't let them uh, sneak into our church like some kind of snake. We're going to keep false teachers away. But tell us, how can we discern? How can we tell? How can we judge? And that's the next point. Beware of the fruit that they bear. Look, I mean, I'm just following down through here. Look at verse 16. <laughs> it's like Jesus knows we're asking that question. You will know them by their fruit. You see what he says? There? He says it again in, in verse 20. Wherefore, by their fruits, you'll know them. You'll know them by their fruit. And he gives us an illustration here. He says, know them by their fruit or judge them by their fruit. Two times he says that here. Here is the criteria. Here's how you spot a false teacher. The fruit of the fruit of their ministry. What do they produce? You guys know that when you look at a tree, a root determines the fruit, and the fruit exposes the root. So you know that you look at a tree, and, and, and you can determine whether it's a good tree by the fruit that's on that tree. You pull that fruit off, and you look at it, and, and you and you open it up, and you you examine it, and if it's a good fruit, then it's a good tree. It's the same thing you do with false teachers. You go to a false teacher and you look at his fruit. And you go to all teachers. Even me. Examine my fruit. See if I'm a false teacher or not. You must do that. Amen. Don't trust me. I'm, I'm a fallen creature. I can be wrong. To ask my wife. She'll tell you I've been wrong a lot. Even when I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
fruit. It's easy. Go to the store. We test fruit all the time. So you can test the fruit of all teachers and see if they're real. That's what he's telling us to do here. It's not secretive. It's not for the elite. With people that has a gift of judging fruit. No, we can all do this. We can know. And he says, and how will you know? Verse 16. You shall know them by their fruits. Do, do men get grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? What he's saying there is grapes don't grow on apple trees. And apples don't grow on grapevines. This is just obvious. It's clear. A thorn bush, bush doesn't produce grapes. And figs don't grow on thistles. A good tree won't have bad fruit. So you judge them by their fruit. We judge teachers not by the outside, not by what they say, but by the fruit that they produce. We judge them. That's how we judge Christians. Not by what they say, not by the status they put on Facebook, by what they produce in their life. You'll know them by their fruits. We know each other by our fruits, by what we produce. That's how we judge, not from a distance. How would you judge a fruit? You don't judge from a distance. You don't look at a, at a fruit in a store and say, I mean, you, you know, you're two aisles away, and you're going to I think that orange is pretty good. No, you get up close and personal with that, with that fruit, and you, and you get it in your hand, and you bite into it, and you check on it, and you see if it's, if it's a real good fruit. And that's what he's saying here to do. We must examine the fruit of these teachers, of all teachers. You say, what's the fruit? The Bible gives us three types of fruit in the Bible. Number one, this is hard for me. This is not an easy sermon to preach. Because I'm looking at you right now and saying, test me. Examine me. You must examine everybody you listen to. You must examine. And I have people all the time bringing me preachers and bringing me books and saying, can I read this? Can I listen to this guy? And I say, you've got to examine me. Don't just listen. Don't be gullible. Don't think that everybody who's on TV <laughs> is telling you the truth. Now, I'm not just talking about CNN and Fox News. <laughs> I'm talking about preachers. Preachers. Judge them. You say, I'm sorry, the judge not. <laughs> See, it's the same passage, right? Here Jesus says, judge. Examine. Look at them. Test them. Make sure the person you're listening to is telling you the truth. And how can you test them? I'll give you three. Number one, you test their life. The fruit, the Bible says fruit is our behavior. The Bible says fruit is our character in life. You need to, and this is hard for me to say, scrutinize the life and the family of the man you're listening to. And I say that, turn with me. I know you guys want to turn somewhere else. First Timothy. Look at, just, just look what it says. And I, I can give you two different places. But I want to go to 1 Timothy. I, I live in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Knowing that this is, this is how you guys should be testing my life. Testing my character. 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is the qualifications of a preacher. And if your preacher doesn't stand up and meet these qualifications, he's not get this qualified. This is hard. Look what it says. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. This is a true saying. If any man desire the office of a bishop, pastor, elder, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be. Look at it. Must be. Here's the qualifications. He must be this. If he's not this, he's not qualified. Blameless, which means above reproach. The husband of one wife. That'll get rid of a third of your false teachers right there. A third of them. You find more false teachers committing adultery and having promiscuous relationships. And when you see that, cross them off the list. Yeah. 
I had a teacher tell me one time, he said, if you get caught up in a, an adulterous relationship and you are separating yourself from your wife, you don't step back in that pulpit one more time. You go be a greeter at Walmart because you're not qualified anymore. There you go. We just crossed off a third of the other teachers in our world. You want to cross off another third? Let's keep reading. A bishop then must be blameless. A husband of one wife. Vigilant. Sober. <laughs> of good behavior. Given to hospitality. Apt to teach. <laughs> I got that one. <laughs> teach all the time. Not given to wine. Not a striker. Not greedy, a filthy lucre. We just crossed off another third. Not a lover of money. I could ask you to raise your hand and tell me if you've ever seen a pastor who is in it for the money. If you've got a pastor who's in it for the money, he's not qualified. If you've got a pastor who's flying around in million dollar jets while his people are struggling to have dinner on the table, you've got a false teacher. But patience, not a brawler. Twice there it says a pastor can't fight. Not covetous. One that ruleth well in his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man not, know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are, are without, outside the church, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. He's got to have a good reputation in the church, outside the church. He can't be a novice because that builds him up to pride and, and, to, and to being big-headed and being a know-it-all. You can't have that. He can't be a, a young guy that's that, that just, just getting started and thinks he knows everything. That, that'll ruin him. So he gives us qualifications here. It's biblical. The, the, the pastor must stand the test of Scripture in his character. And not only that, I don't have time to go through it with you, but you can go to Matthew 5. And the character that Jesus had just given. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I just said I don't have time to do it, and I did it. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. Peacemakers. It just goes down the list of the character that Jesus gives that these men must have. And if they don't have this character, then they're not qualified. They're a false teacher. Set them down. So that's harsh, Josh. You're being judgmental. <laughs> Welcome to the narrow road. So there's the first test, the test of life, the character, the behavior. Watch the behavior of these men. Number two, I know you guys are dying to get to the second one. Don't just te test their behavior, test their beliefs. Every teacher will get up and say, say, they'll get up and they'll even carry one with them. I've never seen. I, I saw Joel Osteen. He gets up in the pulpit and carries one with him. Might as well never even open it. He stands up and says, this is my Bible. It's <laughs> the last time he holds it up. Yeah. Every one of them carries one with them. They walk up here. They'll stand up. They'll open a Bible. They all say they have a Bible. They all say they preach Jesus. They all carry it. They all open it. But not all lines up with the Bible. Yeah. Hmm. The Bible is our standard. The Bible is our measurement. The Bible is our creed. So our teachers must line up. Get this. If this is the, the line where the Bible is, our teachers must line up with the Bible. Amen. Must measure up. Must, must be at the standard. Must follow the creed of the Bible. So this tells me that the people in the pews must know the Bible enough 
to tell whether their teachers line up or not. False teachers thrive in ignorant churches. False teachers thrive in ignorant America. The, I, I'm getting mean, I think. America is illiterate when it comes to the Bible. And because of that, we are seeing a, a flock of false teachers coming into America and thriving. So we must know, we must know our Bible in order to tell if our teachers line up with the Bible. You must know it, you must understand it, you must be able to look at it, and when the teacher gets up here and stands up and he says something that's just a little bit off, you've got to say, that doesn't sound right to me. Let's get him back in line. You've got to keep me in line. Don't let me go off the wrong way, whether it be to the right or to the left. You've got to make sure that your preacher lines up with the Word of God. Get this. He doesn't have to line up with what you think about the Bible. He must line up with what the Bible actually says. Line your preacher up with the Word of God. It is our plumb line. It is our standard. It is our creed. It's what we stand upon. And if ever I get away from the Bible, you pull me back or you give me the boot out of here. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Dad just ate me and kicking me out. <laughs> You say, how do we know he lines up with the Bible? Ask, your, ask, ask yourself this. Does he add to it or take away from it? The Bible's leather bound. It's not a three-ring binder. You say, what do you mean by that? Three-ring binder? You got, I used to have them in school. Trapper keepers. Yeah. <laughs> it shows my age. No laughing. <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. But you could open those things up and teachers would give you things, three hole punches, and you'd put them, back, you'd put them in. Get this, you could put them in and you could take them out. And you could put them in and you could take them out. The Bible isn't meant to be put in and taken out. The Bible is settled. It's forever settled in heaven. It, we have what it says. We add nothing to it and we take nothing away from it. We trust and we stand upon the Word of God as it is. So if your preacher takes anything away, he's a false teacher. You've got to watch what a preacher doesn't say. Be very careful what he skips over. I like the way we teach the Bible here because we don't skip over anything. There's not a whole lot of preachers that will open up their Bibles on Sunday morning and say, Matthew 7, 15, false teachers. It's not very attractive. Skip over that one. Let's skip over that one. Let's, let's preach today on what I want to preach on. What, what's got on my nerves this week? What I saw in somebody's life this week. Same preachers do that a lot. I saw him in a grocery store. I'm preaching on that today. Let's preach the next verse and not skip over anything. Let's have a full counsel of God here. Let's go Old Testament. Let's go New Testament. Let's, let's hit it all. Let's not take anything away from it and let's not add anything to it. You say, hey, well, how can you add something to it? And when a preacher gets up and says, and I heard a preacher last night on TV. Steph can attest to this. We were watching, flipping through the channels. My kid's sitting around me, and a preacher standing up in the pulpit, and he said, God gave me a vision, and I saw. Steph looked at me and said, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's adding, too. He's adding, too. I, I, she wanted to tell me. I want to hear what, what he saw. I saw him and his wife. <laughs> Walking through a farmer's market, picking fruit. 
said, that guy's a fruit loop. <laughs> no eternity. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to know it. Why would I listen to a false teacher? Why would I listen to a bad preacher? Why would I let that come in, in, in anything into my mind or in my wife's mind or in my kid's mind? I'm not going to do that. I only want good preaching. That's what we want to want for our kids too. We only want them to hear what's right. I don't want anything, any even 10% pointing my kids in, in the broad way or pointing my wife in the broad way or pointing you in the broad way. We want teachers that are going to constantly be pointing us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Not to what they saw in a vision or what God told them or they had to dream. The canon is closed. I'm not adding anything to it. If, God, if, if somebody stands up and says, God told you something, they better have a chapter and a verse after it. I like the way we do things. You guys can test me. I, I look at it and I, I spend more time telling you, look here. <laughs> look here. Chapter and verse. Word by word. Phrase by phrase. Slowly, <laughs> but we get it all. The fruit of what they teach. Here it is. Here's a couple things. Does he preach? And I'm going to move on to the next point. Does he preach? Ask yourself this. Does he preach a big God? Yes. Does he preach that God is God? Does he make God as big as he is? And, and does he point to God as big as he is? And he makes man smaller and smaller? A preacher should always be showing you how big God is and how small we are. You got preachers in our world today that are talking about how big we are and how small God is. You want a big God preacher. I'll give you another one. You, you don't want just a preacher that preaches a big God. You want a preacher that preaches a dying Savior. Amen. I've had people tell me, and, and, and doing it in, in a making fun way, Josh, all you do is preach the gospel. Preach something else, man. No, 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 no. I only know two things. Christ and Him crucified. Amen. So I'll preach Christ as good as He is, as great as He is, as holy as He is, as powerful as He is, as, he is, as loving as He is. And I will preach that He went to the, he went to the cross and He died broke my mind. We'll fix that one later. You know you're preaching when you lose your mind. That's going down. You know a good preacher by pounding the pulpit. Does he preach a big God? Does he preach a dying Savior? Does he preach that there's only one Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man gets to God but by me. One way to heaven. One way. If you ever hear a preacher stand up and say there's multiple ways to God, they're broadening you to the broad road. Here, go this way. Go this way. Jesus said, no, it's a narrow way. And there be few that find it. Jesus even, now I didn't talk about this last week, but Jesus even narrowed it down to where a camel going through the eye of a needle. That's how narrow it is. Hmm. Does he preach hell hot and heaven sweet? Not very popular to preach hell anymore. But Jesus preached on him more than he did anything else. And if you're going to preach through the Bible verse by verse, you're going to get to hell a whole lot. Amen. Word of God says. If I don't line up, and some people are so picky about it. If you're, if you're like this right here with, with what they think, 
they call you a false teacher. <laughs> or like this right here, they're, you're a false teacher. Their opinions, what they think. But if we don't line up with the word of God, if I don't line up with the word of God, I'm a false teacher, I'm a wolf in sheep's clothes. Third thing, and i got to hurry. I think we started late, at least I'll say that. You don't just test their their behavior and their beliefs, but you test their followers. Fruit isn't how many people you have. Fruit is what type of people you have. Can I say that again? I don't think some of you got it. Because a lot of people think that a preacher is a good preacher just because he has a big crowd. Oh, God must be blessing him, you know. He's, he's, he's got a huge following. He's got 100,000 followers on Twitter. He must be blessed by God. You cannot determine a teacher by how many people he has following him. Because false teachers will always have a crowd. Our fallen nature loves to go the way of the broad way. So you don't determine a false teacher or a teacher by how many people he has, but by what type of people he has. You begin to act like, and you begin to, I say that. They say, and I don't know if that's true or not. You know, I know Steph hopes it's not true, but they say the longer you're with somebody, the more you begin to act like them and look like them. And by the time you get old, you and your wife will start looking like each other, and Steph's saying, oh, no. <laughs> No. She's going to come to the altar and pray about that one today. But the, it's true that the more you're around somebody, the more you start to act like that person. The more you listen to them. I love when my boys, they, they start speaking just like I do. They, they start liking the teams that I like. I love that my boys think Michael Jordan's better than LeBron James. I love it. You know, the, everybody else in the culture and in the young age like that, they say LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. And my boys at that, that 9-11, no, it's Michael Jordan. They, they, they never saw him play one time. <laughs> you know why they say that? They listen to their daddy. They're around their daddy. They, say, they see what their daddy watches. They do what their daddy does. They, they're around me. I influence them. I teach them. That's what I do. And that's the same thing in a church setting. You will, and I know you're sitting there saying, oh, no. You're going to start looking and acting and talking like this guy. So when you walk into a church and you look up at your preacher, and this may make some of you just get up and leave right now. But you better look at your preacher and say, would I want to act like that guy? Watch that preacher out in the public. Would I want to act like that guy? Watch how your preacher uses social media. Would I want to be like that guy? Because if you go to that church under that man, you will start to act like that guy. You will start to talk like that guy. You'll start to believe like that guy. Whoever you listen to, and some of you guys listen to me three, four, five times a week, you're going to start being like that guy. So you can tell a lot by the followers that they have. Are they? Ask yourself this. Ask yourself, are their followers becoming more godly? Are their followers becoming more holy? Are their followers becoming more humble? Do their followers love Christ and love His Word and love others? Is that what they're like? If that's what they're like, and they're, and they're loving Christ and loving others and they're loving the Word of God, you, you are producing something really good there. So it's a great question. Jesus here says you will know them by the fruit they bear. Point number three. And we'll, we'll be done. Point number three could last 20 minutes or so, so we, we, we may not be done anytime soon. 
I didn't put in there if the pastor has three points. He's a good teacher. Point number three, we, we beware of the fleece that they wear. Beware of the fruit that they bear. Beware of the faith that they share. Because it says there in verse 19, Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. You see that? This is fierce. He says that several times in this closing passage. You look at verse 13. He says, Entering in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. He says in verse 19 that you'll be cast into the fire. He says in verse 23, Depart from me, I never knew you. He says in verse 27, talking about the foundation, that great is the fall of it. He's talking about hell. Jesus is preaching about where these false teachers end up. This is fierce. False teachers have a more severe, a greater judgment. James 3.1 says you better be very careful about becoming a teacher. Because you have a more strict or severe judgment. So false teachers will have a hotter hell. And why will they have a hotter hell? They end up in hell. We know that. That's tragic. They burn in hell. That's tragic. And every day that they're there, they're not one day closer to it ever ending. But that's not the worst part. Why do they get a hotter hell? Because they led more people to hell with them. They go themselves. They get cast into the fire. And we take no joy in that. I see false teachers and I pray that there's a false teacher this week I won't name names. I've already named one. Probably won't get me in trouble. This guy come out and said he's, he's repenting of some old things that he said. He was a prosperity preacher just flying around in gold jets and stuff. And I seriously stopped and prayed, God, please save that man. For his own soul and for the souls of those that he's taken to hell with him. Amen. We take no joy people going to hell. But they, they go to hell and they don't go alone. They take multitudes of souls with them. I think that's why Jesus, the main reason Jesus says beware. It's not so much about the false teachers because the false teachers were in the crowd there in the Sermon on the Mount. They were the, the Pharisees and Sadducees and they were leading people. It wasn't so much about them but it was about how they're going to lead those people that he's preaching to into heaven. Beware these people who are going to lead you and not just you. Get this. This is, this is where it's so sobering to me. This is, it's not just you they are going to lead to hell. But there are children that are going to go to hell right. because their parents follow false teachers. Right. And that is the scariest thing in the world for me. Yeah. That somebody would lead a child it scares me that one of you, the sheep of this church, would end up in the jaws of a wolf. And that's why we preach sermons like this one. So that you know you can't trust everybody. And you must test everybody. Multitudes of souls, families, children, kids. It's heartbreaking to see how many people these false teachers are leading to destruction. It's a real threat. 
and it's leading many. Some go the broad way out of ignorance. They just don't know they just don't know no better. There's many that are on the broad road and they just don't know that there's a narrow road. They don't know any better. They're ignorant. It's like when, they, when somebody gets stopped for, for, for a ticket and, and the cop is, walks up there to sign the ticket and they say, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know the speed limit. I, I didn't see a sign. The cop says, I can't excuse your ignorance. And he writes him a ticket. A lot of people go the broad way out of ignorance. A lot of people go the broad way out of pure rebellion. They're just rebelling against God, against His Word, against His Son, against all that they already know. There's people that are going to go, to, go, go the broad way and lead to destruction just because they're rebellious. And they want to do things their own way. Now, that's, there's a many that will go that way. Just out of rebellion and out of ignorance. But most people go the broad way because they're misled by false teachers. There will be more people go to hell because of false teachers than any other way. Bad influences. Not just teachers. Be careful who you let around your life to influence you. You know this as well as I do. One of the greatest impacts that, that anybody will have on your life is your friends. I'm very careful who my, my kids are friends with. Grace will sit there and text, and I'll say, Who are you talking to? Dad, who are you talking to? I want to know who it is. I want a background check. I, I want to know. I want to know their parents. I want to know their grandparents. Let's go back an even further generation. I want to know the second, third generation, you know. Tell me everything you need to know. I want, I want to see their Facebook page. I want to see their Twitter account. I want to see their Snapchats. I want to see it all. Because I know the, the, the most dangerous thing in a kid's life is who influences them. Who are their friends? You've got to be very careful that your kids can get influenced in the broad way. Make sure you have kids that, that, that their friends have are influencing your kids in the right way. The narrow way. Given bad directions. And end up in hell. It's scary. It's so, so scary. There's a crossroads here. You go one way or you go the other. We want teachers and influencers and friends that are going to influence us in the right way, not the wrong way. Amen. So what do we do? And I'm closing. What do we do here? Well, first of all, we listen to this warning. We, we say Beware. We warn with tears. <laughs> Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you follow. Be careful. Be careful who influences your life. And then second, follow the Good Shepherd. Turn with me one more time and I'll close. I know I'm keeping you guys a little bit long. John 10. Turn with me to John 10. I want to show you who it is you follow. Who you must follow. John 10. I, I love this passage. I'll, I'll close here. John 10, verse 3. I'll start in verse 1. I might read the whole chapter. <laughs> this is a great chapter. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth in, entereth not by the door of the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same... Talking about false teachers, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep, look at this, the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. 
And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes forth before them, and the sheep follow him, because they know his voice. Sheep follow the true shepherd's voice. They won't listen to somebody else. If you are a true shepherd, let me say this, listen only to the voice of the good shepherd. Listen only to the voice of Jesus Christ. Follow only Christ. I love this. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the true shepherd. He is the, the shepherd of our souls, and we follow Him and Him alone. Don't listen to any other voices. Don't listen to any other directions. You follow. You go the way of Jesus Christ. You make sure you keep your eyes on Him at all times, every time, everywhere you go. From the youngest here today, my kids are up here at 13 years old. You keep your eyes on Jesus all the time, and never let anybody point you in any other direction. And make sure your preachers are pointing you to Jesus. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Love Jesus. Honor Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Don't follow me. Follow Him. I can lead you in the wrong way. He'll never lead you in the wrong way. Jesus loves you. He wants the best for you. He laid down His life for you. He sacrifices for you. He is that good shepherd who laid down His life for the sheep. Follow Jesus. Serve Jesus. Love Jesus. Go to the church that makes a whole lot about Jesus. Any true preacher or teacher will always point you to Jesus. Follow Him. Listen to Him. He is the true shepherd. He'll defend us against all the wolves out there. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Don't you love that? We have a good shepherd. We have a, a great shepherd. And then in Matthew 7, let's look at John 10 again. I'm closing. I've got a couple of minutes here. John 10. Look at verse 9. This is, this is for those here today that are lost. If you don't know Christ, if you're not saved, if you're an unbeliever, he says in John 10, 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. I am the door. And you want to, you want to compare that to, to Matthew 7 when he says in verse 13, enter ye in at the straight gate. Go in the straight door. Jesus is the door that you enter. Jesus is the narrow way. Jesus is who you go to and where you go to and the door that you step into to be saved. If you're at a crossroads today and you don't know which way to go, let me stand here today and point you, please, let me point you in the right way. Please, let me point you in the right way. If you're lost here today, don't go the broad way. It'll lead you to destruction. It'll be the way that says, oh, you can live how you want to live and do what you want to do and, and sin all you want to sin, but it'll send you to hell. I'll stand up here today and say, don't go that way. Go the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. The narrow way. The way of believing in Him, serving Him, repenting of your sins. Go the way of Christ and it leads to life and life everlasting. If you're at a crossroads today, and that's where some of you are, you've got to make a decision. You can't just stand there at the fork of the road and say, I'm just going to stand here. It's either the broad way or it's the narrow way. You've got some that will say, I'll just stay the broad way and you'll be okay. And you've got me standing up here today waving as fast as I can wave. <laughs> Please, go this way. Go the, the narrow way. Go the way of Christ. You'll be saved. It'll be worth it. He'll take care of you. He'll love you. Go the way of Jesus. Believe in Jesus. I love that passage. I'll read it one more time and we'll close. Verse 9. I am the door. 
By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Again, I warn you about the broad way. I want you to go the narrow way. And the greatest, greatest danger you'll have in life is not listening to this warning of Christ. Please listen to this warning. Don't wad it up and throw it away. Don't walk out of here and say, forget about it. Take heed to this warning that Jesus gives today. Be aware. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the warnings. I know the warnings are, are hard to hear sometimes. But we need to hear them. We need to take heed to them, obey them, follow them. And I pray that today we would do that. That those of us who are Christians, we would continually and always listen to the voice of the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. And if there's anyone in here today that's lost, and God, I'm proud this big, there's somebody here that doesn't know you as Savior. I pray that they would hear this warning and they would by faith enter in to the narrow way today. Please let them hear this warning. Please don't let them want it up and throw it away. Please don't let them forget about it. By your spirit, God, please draw them to the narrow way that they might believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As the music plays, the offers open.